is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Hey! Woohoo! What up, Max? What up? You pressed the right button. Welcome to another edition of Thursday Night Live that isn't no it's no longer called Thursday Night Live I realize even though I've been promoting Thursday Night Live for years. Welcome boys, how are we? Happy, excited? Yeah, I'm really Pretty good. good. See Pretty those good, voices actually, you can hear yeah. if you if you're not watching the uh, the live show tonight which you can do. Um that's uh, Mike Scunny, how you doing? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. I'm just Very checking good. your levels really. And Max, oh. you look f- terrible. <laughs> yeah, I've got awful, awful fucking hay fever. Uh, royalty boys, Kai Chen in the room. He's taken a day off from posting on Arsenal's fan forum 74,000 times today to come and join us in the room. Hello, Kai. Lovely to see you. I don't think he's going to reply. <laughs> yeah, he will, he'll, oh, he will. he'll reply. He, will. he can't help it. He'll probably write a thesis. Have a, have you, are you having a good time? See, look, I'm watching you two. You both look so cold. Is it cold there in that cold, miserable country called England, Scanny? Mate, it's colder than a witch's tit. <laughs> it makes me That's feel how even cold better. It is. I'm it's in cold. sunny Spain, and it was sunny today. First time in in the ten days we've been here. It feels like. Uh, well, but Max, you look freezing cold as well. I know it's seven o'clock in the morning. Have you moved your internet uh, this week? Are you in a different room? I'm on a different computer. It may be the fucking computer that is fucked. Not you sound beautiful. That is fucked. Um, no, it's been like it was thirty something degrees the other day, oh, and yeah, now it's right. like seven degrees because this is Melbourne. This is what Melbourne does, other than being the communist fucking capital of the world. <laughs> the Wu- I like to call it Mark Two Wuhan. Other than that, yeah, it's okay. pretty good. I've got no no idea. Let's Mark move on. Let's Wuhan. talk like Arsenal. People eating fucking bats across there as well. No, but they're all fucking marching around, fucking saluting a fucking communist. <laughs> That's not I, good. I don't know. I, that salute I've seen before, mate, but I don't think it's that kind of salute, is it? Yeah. It's one of those ones, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good for those listening to the podcast. That makes really basically, good radio. Basically, he was trying to he was trying to goose step while sitting down. If if anyone is actually <laughs> yep. listening, so just to explain yep. it a bit better for the listeners, rather than come on. Let's, uh... <clears throat> Let's talk some Arsenal, eh? I think talk uh, some football. Oh, your misery for months is now coming back to haunt you both, isn't it? <laughs> We're doing well. What you what you gonna what you gonna moan about today? Mate, well, I would pes- actually. Can I just cut in? You've been the real pessimist over the last couple of shows. Only because you two have got too excited, so I have to drag it down a little. Uh, mm. I'm loving it. I'm at. As I mentioned last week, I don't. You weren't on last week, Mike. You forgot, no. didn't you? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I'm yeah. in. I'm in. Uh, I'm in the Costa Blanca in um, in in uh, sunny Spain, and I don't know if you heard last week, uh, Mike, but I have found what I'm now going to refer to as the CBA, the Costa Blanca Arsenal. There's an Arsenal supporters club here. There's a great bar called Cheers, and it it was. I went again on Saturday. That's my third game I've watched there. Mate, I can't understand it. This there was fifteen of us there. I counted at the weekend, and I was the youngest again. <laughs> I found Bloody some hell. real 
Arsenal fans from my era. It's fantastic. I'm going to call was it the you, CBA. When you say you counted, obviously you can only count to 10 there. Was you wearing sandals to get the extra Yes, mark? I was, yes, because it's, so hot. <laughs> because it's so hot and sunny. That's exactly what I was doing. But a big shout out to those on the CBA. Some of them did listen last week, I understand, but it was such a crap podcast. I don't think they'll be listening this week. <laughs> we had uh, we had Maxi's internet off every other minute and uh, it was just me filling time and I realised I was on mute for most of it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of dead air. But I went down there the professionalism runs deep. Honestly, I love it at the CBA. It's a real honestly, I want to move here now because I found I found I found some real like minded Arsenal fans. Honestly, and I'm talking about I'm the youngest. There's obviously a lot of people about my age, but they go up to I don't know, those guys in their seventies. Some of them even look like they're in their eighties there. It made me look like the youngster. Loved it. <laughs> so that's where I watched the game. Uh, uh, where were we? Um, I don't. Uh, it was a little bit further up north, Mike. So, did you get to that one by any chance? I, yes, I went. Uh, I watched Fantastic. it. Fantastic! Fantastic! Tell us about Great. it. Tell us about the crowd. Sounded um, immense. Uh, uh, the, on, t- on... the TV didn't do it justice. It was non-stop. It was fantastic. Absolutely, atmosphere was absolutely buzzing. I, I couldn't get enough of it. I took my lad. It was his second game. Um, he loved it. He's, he's now starting to. You know, mimic the chanting and everything else. So it's, it's good. It's nice to see when you you look across to your, you know your, one of your youngest lads and he's like he's he's singing ah sudo ah sudo. It's it's great. Lovely, Max. What about you? Where were you watching? You is it was it one you could watch live? I don't know where your time. It was uh, it was so usually games in Australia are three a.m. four a.m. It was a ten thirty p.m. kickoff. Oh, perfect. So I, yeah. so I actually got to finish work, have a beer, sit there. And watch it, and uh, and once again, the first twenty minutes of Arsenal is a thing to behold. I'm not sure about what happens after that for Arsenal at this point, but the first twenty minutes of an Arsenal game, you know, something amazing to see. I actually, I, I entitled the podcast "An Uncomfortable Encounter" because, regardless, I still found it an uncomfortable watch, and I wanted to ask Mike. Even though he, it, considering he was there and the energy was really, really high, did it feel as uncomfortable live to watch as it did on TV? And my preface for saying that is, even though we we're under constant pressure, I actually didn't feel like we were going to concede. It was just uncomfortable to have the game flipped on us that heavily for that amount of time. Uh, yeah, there were some uncomfortable moments, um, by all means, but. I think with the atmosphere the way it was, the crowd being the way it was, you didn't sort of feel that. And you didn't, in that respect as well, even when I watched it back and, you know, remembering obviously while I was there, it's, you you do have their moments still with, with it being Arsenal, you know, we're not amazing. We're better than we were before, defensive-wise, but we're not amazing. So there is them uncomfortable moments there, but you never feel... And I've said it before. Ever since you know White and Gabriel sort of take take uh, took over in that uh, as the pairing of the centre backs, you don't feel like you're going to concede. And it's the same with Aaron Ramsdale being in goal as well. You just have that feeling that it's it's gonna you're not going to concede. It's it's, it's going to be a save. It's going to be an easy tackle, for instance, or you know an easy interception. You don't feel whereas you used to feel before and think, oh shit, here we go. This is going in. You never get that. Can I add to that? Can I add to that? The difference is I don't feel like we're going to concede something shit. 
Like if we're gonna, it feels that if we're gonna concede, it's gonna be something special. You know, like the week before when the lad just fucking put one on the postage stamp and and put it top bins uh, for Villa. You know, it it feels like our ability to get to the second ball and to scramble and our ability to hold shape that if we are going to get done, it's going to be us getting done by something superb, not by us getting done, I, I guess, by something that we manufacture ourselves, which is something that we've been dealing with for seasons and seasons and seasons now. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, I know some someone's just in the chat saying my volume's too low, so I don't know what you guys can hear, but I've just tried to turn it up. So if, you're, uh, if you can hear me a bit better now in the chat, then yeah, that'd be uh, just let us know. If not, yeah, I'll you sound fine, to it, fan, sound fine to me, but we aren't the best to guess, no. are we? We're, uh, yeah, Max thought his internet was, <laughs> yeah, Max thought his internet was great last week, but we couldn't hear him for most of it, so that was a that was a plus. Uh, I mean, you said, I was going to say there is still this worry, though, isn't there? That you know, every game, we've, if if the game's finished after twenty minutes, we'd probably be okay this season. Mm. Uh, you know, we'd only have lost two 0 to Manchester City. <laughs> One nil to Chelsea, one nil to Brentford. Uh, no, but you know what I mean. Since we've had this uh, this new defence in, they're still that worried that we can't seem to hold the ball anymore. Something that Arsenal have always been good at, and something that Arteta, you know, as a player when he played, was a great footballer. And we have got some great technical players. I think this is the most technical Arsenal side I've seen for a long time. You know, they, they all look fairly comfortable. We've got rid of the Kalasinachis and uh, and that sort of square on player that always look a bit frightened with the ball uh, but now we're still just you know we, we went an hour really without putting passes together and I wasn't as nervous as you seem Max I don't know whether it's just because we've been drinking more um, when we watched the game but uh, I, I felt I just watched the highlights they had chance after chance after chance but um, we, we just we just can't seem to, to well, and we soaked up the pressure really well all that's good tick 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 but why why can't we hold the ball? You know, is it back to my his party? All that? Uh. Uh, yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of, because I felt very much the same thing, Darren. Um, and it starts a whole it starts a whole conversation about Granite Xhaka and the impending return of Granite Xhaka that I want to have a little bit later on. I don't want to dig into. Can that. I can I just add a point on that? I just when I read the highlights while I was waiting for it to load. It said Granite Xhaka expected to start training in the in the new year. So yeah, we're, we're, we're months off of Granite Xhaka conversation. And then, uh, I guess, I know it was only against Leeds, and I know it was it was in the in the cup. And um, but Ainsley Maitland-Niles in that game, who Darren professed didn't think had that much of a great game, and Toby and I ended up waxing lyrical about him. And we're waxing lyrical, Darren, about his carrying of the ball and his passing, so his ability to take the ball an extra 10 yards and actually put a defender on his heels. Uh, and I think Sambi Lakonga will end up being that, and I think Thomas Pardy has some of that about him. But I, I thought the interesting part about this game was that after all of the... Lacazette, 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 how good has Lacazette been? How much did we need him? It was interesting that in this game when we needed someone to get their foot on the ball and maybe play a little bit more of that Ozil-style game, I guess what Erdegaard does for us now, I actually felt that this game didn't suit Lacazette, whereas the previous game had, sorted, had suited 
Lacazette and I probably would have got Lacquer off a little bit earlier. So it's this very interesting thing with Arsenal and with Arsenal fans at the moment, how they are always so obsessed with the starting 11 that they feel that that 11 needs to ha- needs to start all of the time. Uh, and I didn't think that Lacquer was amazing in this game. I didn't think he let us down at all. I didn't think he was bad in any way. It's not a bashing on Lacquer. It's just more that I guess as we're digging further into this season and maybe more into what Arsenal's all about, is it a bit more horses for courses, Arsenal? Like in certain games, certain players are going to work. And I guess if you had watched Arsenal the weeks before, you would have said, well, double-team lacquer and don't give him the time to turn. And when you do that, he becomes more ineffective. So I, I just think we've got a squad of players at the moment and it's going to be really important for Arteta to make the changes at the right times. Because I'll tell you one thing, Darren, looking at our last five games where we've started like the blitzkrieg in the first 20 minutes, surely teams are going to start looking at us now and saying, shut Arsenal down for the first 20 minutes, stay compact and don't go out and play them and then see what they've got after that. Difficult for teams to do that when they're at home with a big crowd behind them. And, you know, and especially if you've got ambition like a club like Leicester City have these days, you know, they want to finish in the top six, they don't want to finish in the bottom six. So I think there's there's a... You know, that's really important is that, you know, teams at home are always going to come out of us. And it seems like we're we're really good away from home at the moment. You know, the first 10, 15 minutes have been excellent. Um, you, you made a point about Arsenal fans liking to know the first 11. Maybe, um, maybe you're right. However, I do like the fact that we've got a settled defence and we've got... Mm. You know, it, it looks better now. You know, Pepe has got to work his way back into the side. You know, Erdegaard have got to work their way back in the side because we've we've now got a set, you know, formation. We went, as Arteta listened to this podcast a couple of weeks ago when I said we should go back to a 4-4-2. That's exactly what he did in the next game. Added a striker. Suddenly, Aubameyang's involved in the game. So I like that, that we've got... Um, Was it a 4-4-2, uh, though? Yeah, well, I was I, just going to say, I, I think getting into, conversa- getting into conversations about formations in the modern game is stupid because it's so fluid. But the well, idea, right, let me to, just add say, an, the idea to add another, another striker. striker. Yeah, he's yeah, added another yeah. striker. Aubameyang hasn't gone left, has he? You know, I mean, he may drift out no, left at no. times, but he hasn't gone left. And Lacazette has, has sort of gone into a number 10 role. So if you don't want to call that 4-4-2, let's call and it 4-4-1-1. I think Darren, starts. there's, um, I think Darren, there's something to be said as well for someone like Lacazette, who's been on the periphery of the team. A, a lot of people now saying, "I'll oh, give Lacazette a one-year extension, give him another contract." Does anyone not remember? I, I call it, and everyone knows, I love Theo, right? But I call it Theo Walcott syndrome. Every single time Walcott was up for a new contract, Walcott came out as if he was the best player on the planet. You know, I went and scored a bunch of goals and put in a bunch of efforts. And I can't help but think, and and, and full credit to Lacker here, because he, he could have done a, you know, a Kalasnak and just gone and fucked off and, you know, done his thing and sat on the bench. Um, but it does make you really think that Lacazette might have thought, well, the most likely thing is that I get picked up by a Lille, you know, or I get picked up by, a you know, a, a smaller Spanish team or a smaller Italian team. We know that Milan had been interested in the past. And it does feel like even though Lacazette is absolutely going to leave on a free, I can't see him leaving, you know, in six months. He's absolutely going to go on a bossman. At least he's going to go out with a bang. And at least he's going to play his way into the team and, and work really hard. So 
I did like it. I liked the addition of the extra striker. I don't, where, I... I don't know where over the years we've suddenly decided that Lacazette's not a good player. He won our player of the year. We won, and you I don't know? think it's, we're not saying, I, I, you know, I, I, I for one, for the Leicester game like Max was on about, I disagree with you on the fact that I do. I thought Lacazette played really well in that game. I felt he uh, held up the ball really well to move us forward and everything. So I do disagree with you on the fact that in when you say Lacazette didn't really do well during Leicester, you know, because I honestly felt he did. I thought the well, I gave him, a, I gave him, a, I gave him a six. I gave him a yeah. six, Mike. Which I think is a. That's not me saying that I thought he had a bad game. I just mean comparative to previous games where he'd been hugely impactful. I didn't think he was as well, impactful. I felt, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but I felt he did have a lot more to do during Leicester, and it, you know, he was, you know, he was impactful in the in the game as well. You know, I think he fed the, I think he fed the forwards well. He moved the game forward at that little bit more. Uh, so yeah, I do. Um, you know, respectfully, I disagree with you uh, in that sort of sense. I would have probably. But didn't you think higher didn't... seven? But when sorry, I'm just going to go down to what Darren said as well about Lacazette not being good enough. I don't think anyone said he's not good enough. Uh, you know, I think everyone now has accepted the fact that he is a minimum of between ten and fifteen goals a season striker. He's not going to be that prolific pl striker we need for like we get what well, we should be getting from a Bamiyan. We know what he is. He is that holding forward, like um, you know, to move you know to move the play forward, and that's what he does, and he does do really well. I think it just comes down to the fact now: it's is it worth giving him another contract at this time? You know, we don't want to fall into these same mistakes that we've done before with with Abamyang. He got his new contract. He's <coughs> downhill. He's not really scoring. Is that? Could that be blame on that tactics and you know how things have gone in his personal life because he has had a lot going on, but we've seen the same with Özil, you know, in the past as well. As soon as he got that three hundred and fifty grand a week contract, he, well, where is he? You know, look at him now. Is it Fernbachi? And that they don't even like him. I think Lacazette. You know, I mean, he would have gone in the summer if, or if he had gone in the summer, I think we would have bought Tammy Abrams or or someone, yeah. you know, to replace him. But he's obviously running down his contract, which most footballers do these days. Um, you know, he, he, that's yeah. what they do. It, the, you know, he's he he can now command a hundred and fifty thousand pound a week for the last couple of years of his career anywhere because nobody's yeah, got to pay a fee for him. him. And I, I actually think if the way the season's going. It could end up that if if the market is still not favourable, we might give him a, a year's extension. You know, and we might just pay him that this ourselves. Was, this was going to right. be my this was going to be my question to you, Darren. If you're in a position where you're looking to offload Lacazette on a free, and he's looking for 150k a week wages, but he's on 150k a week wages at Arsenal, and you've then got to look at paying. 20 million 30 million for a new striker that you've got to put on 150k and, yeah. wages regardless and realistically there... in today's market it's not going to be 20 or 30 million we need to be spending 70 or 80 million you know but that's this, just this where is, the market this is, is. What, this is what i'm getting at because isn't it ultimately obamiang that we kind of need to replace not lacazette because lacazette as a second option as a second striker as a guy who's going to play start 20 games per year maybe complete 35 games per year is it not actually maybe the other guy at the pointy end of the attack who yes has 
an okay goal return this year, but that's the guy where the £350,000 a week is sitting with. But, that, but that's that was the guy mistake, who ultimately needs it? to be replaced. I'm going to take that back to the to the. Sorry, I'll come straight back to you, Mike. That was the where I think our mistakes were made when that you know with 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 our whole transfer policy for the last until last year and the, the three or four years previous to that. There were so many mistakes in that, really, so many mistakes. You know what we did with us, or the way we couldn't use one of the best players in the club at all. You know, the, the fact that we, we've got players going out on loan that are going to run down their contracts, players like Genduzi and, uh, you know, players that there was so much, so much that was wrong in everything that we did. And paying Aubameyang that is now looking to be a mistake, you know, but he's, he's playing quite well again now. You know, he's, he's now he's got his mate alongside him. He's, he's a lot more involved. You know, the player's been brought to him. Mike, you were going to say. Uh, yeah, all I was going to say was is... Um... You know, with with the situation with Lacazette and Aubameyang, as obviously, yeah, we should have really got rid of Aubameyang at the end of his contract. We shouldn't have really signed him to a new one and give him that three hundred grand a week on there. But unfortunately, we're in that situation where, you know, one still got another year left on his contract, who we probably won't be able to sell because of his high wages, and you know, we're going to have to demand some money for him. And then the other one's leaving on a free at the end of the season. So it's just I would imagine Mike, that both, of them, will go, both of yeah. them will go on. Both of them will go on a free in this market. Mike, incidentally, yeah. I don't think there's a problem with your volume. I think there's a problem with your connection. You're getting an awful connection. lot of feedback, like on your maybe you need to wiggle your dick in your hole a little I'll tell bit. You what, I'll change my mic. Just give us a moment. I'll change yeah. it to my other my other headset up. Darren, I think it's very I think it's very likely that both of those strikers, both of those guys, we're very, very unlikely to recoup money. And it seems to be I mean, Arsene Wenger actually called this around the time of I think it was the Aaron Ramsey contract, the Aaron Ramsey debacle. Arsene Wenger said this. He said in the modern game, you're going to see more players run down their contracts. It's more common that essentially the money that you will be paying out, and I think he was talking about the wage inflation, how far ahead the Premier League was getting with their TV deals, the fact that the Spanish teams wouldn't be there to bail you out. We were having this conversation, me and my my Liverpool mate the other day, about how what would have happened in the past is you would have got, for example, Mo Salah to this point of his career and then you would have been bailed out by a Galactico team. A Galactico team would have come in, taken his massive wage off you at 29, at 30, and paid you the 100 million for him. But without those massive teams there, it seems that this is just going to become more and more of a regularity. And I can absolutely see why maybe we extended Granite Xhaka. Because if we didn't extend him, we've got no hope of getting fucking money for him. I, I, to an extent, I understand why we extended Aubameyang. And I wonder if, to an extent, we might see a cheeky contract for Lacazette. Not a big contract, but just a year extension contract. Because in a post-COVID market as well, I don't think the wages are going to be there for some of these guys. And maybe if the team is starting to do a little bit better some of these more fringe players. Like I still see Lacazette as a fringe player as a, what about, as a backup. I've just had a just had a thought on that. Is he not an option for someone like Newcastle at Christmas? Six months left on his contract. Give us twenty million for him. You know, we probably have to take that. That's he's, he's probably you know one of those that's probably in their sights. You know, it's it's a player running down his contract. 
they can offer to pay him the wages and give us some money. You know, I hope that doesn't happen. I really don't. But, um, but you know, that's that's feasible, isn't it? Mike, talk to us. Let's hear it. Need to turn your volume way up. Crank your volume. Yeah, we can't hear you at all. Even us, we can't hear you this now time. There's no, now there's no feedback, but I can't fucking hear you. What a guy. Talk. What a legend. <laughs> no, you've actually no. gone completely. I thought your other headset was better. Yep. <laughs> No, really can't hear you at all. It's almost like you're on mute. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is such a quality podcast. We did this for years without an issue, and now suddenly... Uh, it's, COVID, it's, COVID, it's COVID, mate. The internet caught COVID. It got double-jabbed. Mike fiddled with the dick in his... He put his little headphone penis further in his vagina. It's rejected it. And you now we don't know what's going on. Oh, oh, oh that's perfect. That's ah, perfect. No, no feedback. Perfect. It's because what it is, I bought these wireless headsets and I've just got sort of, you know, I've, I've never used the mic on them and I didn't realise that you had to go into the settings for these headsets to turn the volume up on the mic. Okay. I've never yeah. used it before. It says it all, doesn't it? <laughs> Quality, but, technology. Well, we've done it. I think we've done Lacazette and Aubameyang. Um, um, just something I want to just go back to something. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. Um, Max, you asked me a question. Is there any similarities in this back four and goalkeeper with the famous back four? And I mm. think I said something like, no, 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 no. I'd just like to change my answer to, yeah. Do you know, after giving my answer last week, I thought, do you know what? We're, we're after a period of 18, 19 years without a title success. Well, actually, we're not too far away from that. I don't think they've got the same characters in there, but uh, there is a certain feeling that we're not going to concede stupid goals anymore, like you said at the start. And that was certainly the feeling that we knew that when we, when we, when we went 1-0 up, we were not going to get beaten. I don't feel like that with this Arsenal side. I really don't feel that, you know, apart from a, an incredible performance by our goalkeeper, we would at least let at least one or two in this week. Um, but there is some similarities now. I am starting to see it, that there's a sort of feeling that let's go out, attack them early, sit deep, and no one's going to get through us. And that's only going to get yeah, better the yeah. longer it, it continues. Yeah, a friend of mine sent me a, a message because um, I find that a lot of people I know who watch football, they all watch football in a state of nowness. So if they see Arsenal win a couple of games, all of a sudden Arsenal must be great. And if they see Arsenal lose a couple of games, all of a sudden Arsenal must be shit. I think that's the way most people watch football. But he sent me a message saying, uh, great to see Arsenal back up there. You know, I always want to see Arsenal eating at the top table. You guys seem to be a much better team. And I wrote him back a message and I said to him, I wouldn't get carried away too early, but what I would say is I think we are much, much harder to beat. And that is the basis of every great team. I okay, think no, I'm just, I agree. Can I just temper that with, I saw a stat this week when someone was talking about Arsenal being so good, is we still haven't beaten anyone in the top half, you know, uh, uh, in that run that we've had. You know, we're yeah. eight unbeaten, but they're all teams that are, are struggling. But that, that's that's why I'm that's why I'm I'm apart from more, Leicester, that was. It, it's Leicester. why I'm it's why I'm more I, I'm more remiss than other people to kind of 
get really, really, really heavily excited because I've been here before. We watched a great Unai Emery run previously. What was it, 17, 21 games undefeated? And at no point were we a particularly better team. We were conceding a lot of opportunities. Uh, Our XG conceded was through the roof. So I think that we've got history of being able to look at stuff. But I'm actually so much more impressed by the fact or enjoying the fact that we look much harder to beat than I am that we're some kind of flamboyant attacking machine who still looks like a shambles at the back. And, you know, I made that comment last week about whether or not this reminded you of of, of previous arsenals that were very, very difficult to beat. And we spoke about that George Graham arsenal. And even if we talk about the early Arsene Wenger arsenal, uh, the four horsemen at the back, you know, the Petits and the Vieiras in there and these bigger bodies. And one of the things that my brother and I have often spoken about, about modern arsenals, is that we never felt that when we looked at the team, we saw men on men's bodies, as in big physical male bodies. Well, you've got Aaron Ramsdale back there, who I don't know how big he is in real life. And I don't know whether it's his personality, but he looks like a giant in the goals. I'm sure he is a big man, he but his personality... He is a big lad. I think he's about six foot three. But you get what I mean about how his personality is adding to the size of him? You've then got Gabrielle and Ben White. And Gabrielle, I'm I'm, I'm starting to go into like... Do you remember, Darren, a few weeks ago, you said to me, oh, who are you most excited about? Is it ESR? Is it Saka? And I said, in a couple of years, I think we'll be talking about the Gabrielle signing more than we'll be talking about anything else. £27 million. Pounds. What a fucking robbery, you know, to go and get a player of that stature. And even if I'm looking at Tommy Asu, and, you know, it, it, not that K, I know KT's been out of the team, but I'm looking at Nun Tavares, you know, and I'm looking at big-bodied athletic men with a couple of big-bodied athletic centre-backs and a big-bodied athletic goalkeeper with Party and Sambi Laconga in front of him who are quite big-bodied and athletic. With Saka sitting in front of them, I know Saka's not a giant, but he's quite a robust body as well. And then just this sprinkling of pace across the front three, and it it just it makes me feel that we are less likely to get done with that sort of team on the pitch. Much yeah, more maybe. than when we had much more than when we had Sabios's in there, and when we had Jackers in there, and even to an extent when we had Terreras in there, who were these. I almost felt those guys were more Arsene Wenger-type players, fleet-footed, a little bit lighter, a little bit more technical. Your Urzel's in there and Fabregas, guys like that. Fabregas, Wilshere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing almost a more old-fashioned Arsenal. And I wonder if it's the state of the Premier League. I wonder if that's the state of football now. I, I think, I think so it much more... is. I do think that, you know, there was some, um, you know, we talk about Wenger's teams. He went ticky-tacker, didn't he? He wanted a sort of emulate he wanted a team of messies and he didn't have any money so he just bought little players and hoped you know i'm a huge Wenger fan but that was a, a bit of a strange period that he went through mike um we we now know that max is keen on looking if i can quote him big muscular men in tight shrubbers uh, uh, you know he he's he just waxed lyrical for five minutes there about big muscular athletic sweaty tight shorted men um, don't forget don't forget Vaney. let's oh. let's ask a question mike let me ask you a question because uh, you wasn't on last week 
I mean, I, I made the um, a confession that, oh, it's not a confession, but I, I, I still haven't looked at the Premier League table. It's back to that superstitions in um, in sport for me, superstitions when I'm watching Arsenal. I haven't looked at the table since we've, since, well, this season, since, since after three games when we were bottom, I haven't looked at the Premier League table. And now it's almost like if it comes up on a screen on a television, I literally turn away because I don't want to know. I can't look at it until we lose the game. So let's, let's just hope that keeps on. But I asked Max last week this question. You both ridiculed me at the start of the season when I said that I still think we can compete and get in the top four. Um, have you changed your mind at all looking at you know the competition we sort of know that three teams are a little bit above us um but now looking at a competition west ham manchester united uh, leicester city everton um do you now feel there's an outside chance that we can we can sneak that fourth place no um i'm pushing more to the top six over than what i was at the beginning of the season if I remember rightly, at the beginning of the season, I was saying we'll probably be eighth again, maybe tenth, depending on what happens throughout the, the uh, throughout the season. And I probably changed my mind, which I had. I think we could be pushing for top six now. You know, with the games that we're having, you, you know, we're not losing, which is good. We're also not winning games that we should be winning. You know, like the uh, um, I think there was. Is it why not sentiment said it in the chat earlier on, like the teams like Burnley, Norwich, uh, teams like that, you know, Brighton, we should be winning them games, really, but we're not, so I'm still maintaining that it'll probably be, t- I'm, I'll, I'll maintain now it'll be top six, not top four. Okay. Well, at least, at least, at least you've uh, you've improved a little. I'm ignoring Why Not's comments because he started as usual with Arteta out, and if you can't, he be just tries Arsenal, to bait you. He just yeah, tries yeah, to yeah. bait you, Darren. If, if you can't, Sentiment's enjoy been a long time watcher of Aspros, and what he does, he baits. He puts up <laughs> shit, but sometimes he puts up some gems as well yeah, in yeah. there. So. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, he's I a bit. He's comments. a bit like you. He's a bit like you, Darren. He's a contrary cunt who likes an argument. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's probably why he comes on here, and probably why he comes on here and listens. He, 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 he suits Arsbros, doesn't he? He suits the Arsbros. He's a cunt, and we all are, aren't we? Really, let's face it. Yeah, Darren, just just to except just to I'm an back. old cunt. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> old cunt, skinny cunt, cold cunt. There we go. Yeah. We're all sorted. Hey, Mike, and- did you know? I found out last week that uh, after the show last week, I had a chat with Max. Do you know he's a tall cunt? Did you know he's six foot? What are you, Max? Six four. Six three. Six three. Fuck I've all, yeah. Three. I've had him down as a five eight midget all the time I've been talking to him. I thought he was five three. No. <laughs> I just thought he was like... one of them ones who like you know, you know, they're people who uh, you know, they think they're tall but they're not. Yeah, I'm big I'm big lanky fucker. Toby's not tall. Toby's five And 10. yeah, I had Toby down as six foot six, you know. Yeah, like, I did. Uh, I, I thought, I like thought Toby was around six foot. Like Conan the Barbarian, I thought he was, wasn't he? Have you, I don't it's know. I'm sorry, we're talking. Thing. If you haven't, if you haven't met Max's brother Toby, he did a podcast with Max last year and what the last few years. And 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 Toby just looks huge, and Max looks like the skinny runt of the litter, doesn't he? <laughs> well, apparently well, it's not. I, I think this is it. You see, to- Toby looks like that tall person, like you say. He's got the hair. He's got the he's got the facial hair and everything else that goes with it. You just look like Gollum, so you just assume that you're, you know, five five two five three. Walking yep. around after yep. a ring, I got that Listen, real. I got that real wiry ex crackhead look about me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there was a comment just now. Uh, there's a comment uh, coming from uh, Nana 
Jayassi. I can't say that. Let's uh, call him Nana. Uh, Hello, uh, Nana. Nana. Got Hello, comment. Nana. Uh, and, and it made a, a really, I mean, I was going to get on saying something I've written down here. Um, Nana says, Ollie staying at Manchester United will be the thing that gives us a chance. And I agree. You know, I mean, I think while, while he's there, although I think he's doing a better job than um, some of the fans give him credit for, he's had that humiliation at home to Liverpool. Fans are really, uh, some of the fans are turning on him. Um, and there's always going to be unrest. And I wonder if he can manage those big players. But uh, the, the comment I wanted to make was about um, that lot down the road. Um, I've just employed Tom Conti uh, to uh, <laughs> just to, to manage their side. I, I was a pretty shocked at that appointment, and be hugely concerned by that appointment. What? Do, how do you, Max? Come to you. How do you? So I was. I you... was most. I was most shocked by that appointment because, from our understanding of our dealings with speaking to Conte. It was a huge amount of money involved. Uh, everywhere he goes, he has to bring in his entire backroom staff. So he brings a massive team with him. He's not a guy who comes by himself with one assistant and absorbs your team. So it's a huge structural outlay, huge change. And my understanding of what got leaked when we were in some conversations with Conte was that you would be looking at full team overhaul. So full kind of 400 million pound team overhaul. Now, one thing I will say about Spuds and I will say about, what's his name? Levy. One thing I will say about them is they seem to be a relatively similar model to Arsenal as far as being self-sustaining. And I'm just talking about a financial model before everyone jumps on and says Tottenham is shit, they can't lace our boots, all of this stuff. They have finished above us for, I want to say, the last six seasons five seasons six seasons they've finished above us i think uh i don't know carry on anyway anyway i just want to put aside some of the tribalism for a start and put away all the Tottenham sheiks we agree Tottenham is shit and they get battered everywhere they go but i want to put away some of that tribalism actually talk about them as a football club and as an organization so i've never seen them as even when Mourinho came in um i've never seen them as a a, a club who would come in and splash huge amounts of cash when they have spent lots of money. It's come off the back of selling players. It's come off the back of some relatively relatively smart business that's selling players at the right time and where they've fallen down is then they bought garbage with the money that they made from selling those players. So it surprises me from a structural perspective because I thought that the manager that they had, that they employed, was more of a manager that made sense for their kind of structures. Because if we look at Pochettino, uh, he wasn't an apex coach when he came in, but he had come out of Premier League experience with a very good team, with a very good solid base, and then proved to be, I guess, in my opinion, I, I think Pochettino was the best manager in the league for a couple of years there. So it is interesting. The other side of it I think is interesting is I would have thought that Conte was more tailor-made to go to Man U and the continued support for Oli at Man U just makes me think that fucker's got something in his contract, something in his contract that is like, if you get rid of me before a certain date or within a certain amount of years left on my contract, they must be absolutely desperate not to pay him out the cash by hook or by crook. Um, but sorry, just to stop you because I'm losing the will to live. 
Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the concern that I've got is that I think just making what you just said concise into a, a couple of sentences, they took on Nuno, uh, Nuno Espirito Sanchez because it, it sort of fitted their model. You know, this is going to be a play that's going to make our players better and we don't have to spend a fortune. And, it's and gone, they're in a rebuilding phase. They're, they're coming out up. the end of a phase and going into a new phase. But it's, it's gone tits up for them, hasn't it? I mean, they're, they're, they've just been, you know, beaten home by Manchester United, who just got beat home by five 0 by Liverpool. I mean, I know, you know, footballs like that. But, but that could they, be. It a, hasn't. That, but it hasn't worked, has it? So no. My but worry, that could be as simple as Harry Kane. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they gave it time to work. And not only that, I think it was stupid of Tottenham to keep hold of Harry Kane. You know, that's I think that's it is going to be. Is it going to be the main instigator of the fact that they're not playing well? You know, this guy. When your spiritual leader top, wants to yeah, go. Top goal scorer yeah. for the last, what, four or five seasons? And now he's not even taking a shot because he can't be asked. But he what concerns out. me most is that have Spurs suddenly decided, looking up the road at Newcastle, looking at what Chelsea have done, looking at what Manchester City have done, they have now actually had that decision. Fuck, we need to invest three, four hundred million, which is what you just quoted, Max. Four hundred million. Maybe this is the time we need to because we are going to fall away. Arsenal have just beaten us. We're we're falling behind. We're falling behind everyone. Everton. We're falling behind West Ham United. Something we need to talk about. Um, and now they've decided. Fuck. Right. Conte is not going to go there unless he gets funds to spend. And well, maybe he's only they there have for eighteen agreed. months. He's only got an eighteen-month contract. So it's not as if he's going to, you know, they're not tied him down for the next five years. And not only that, they're going to be paying the guy between, what, 18 and 20 million pound for his contract, you know, to see out this 18 months. I don't think that's ambition. I I honestly think that's more of a go-between and trying to make a statement saying, we are still a big club, we can still attract the big managers, but the only way they can attract these big managers is by paying well over the odds for him. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is the problem that they've got at the moment. While well, you're paying these stupid amounts of money, because you know they're probably still paying off Mourinho when they sacked him. Now they're paying Nuno off because they've sacked him. You know what's it going to be down? You know next what next ten games is Conte going to get sacked for not winning? And you not know, only that, Mike, a few, but... it's, it's going to be inevitable because it's not always the manager. A lot of the time, I reckon some of these players have given up. A lot of them have given up at Tottenham. You can tell this. I agree. So this this is look forget forget the fact that we they've I'm saying they may have decided to give him some money. His record is excellent. Won the league in Italy. Won the league in UK. You know he's um he's he's everywhere he's gone he's been successful. And that worries me that I think probably the best manager in the world on his record has now gone to our biggest rivals. The it, best, man- best manager gonna be- available. Yeah, I just don't think you're going to be successful in 18 months. I don't think he's going to be able to do that. I you think know, he will make that's them harder to... a lot in 18 months. Yeah, he okay. Will make so them harder to I think beat. It, yeah, but yeah, if you if you're talking about that, he'll make them harder to beat. As an 18 month contract, isn't that sort of suits both both sides? If by the end of the season they're showing promise again and they're challenging. You know, he can negotiate a year on, he can charge 50 million a year, you know. But there's uh, also the fact is, obviously, in 18 months' time, who knows who's going to be, what club is going to be available in 18 months' time that's going to pay him more. You know, it's it's always the case. But, you know, uh, Kai mentioned in the comments they're not paying over the odds, they're paying the going rate for a top manager. But you've got to remember, this is Tottenham. They are, you know, not playing great at the moment. They owe a lot of money out because of this new stadium that they've got. 
And every, you know, they're not a rich, massively rich club like your Manchester and United. I, and like I don't think City. they're going to get the money for Harry Kane if they thought. I think if they had sold Harry Kane two years ago, even pre-COVID Harry well, Kane, well, this is then they mean, would have got a fucking got fortune. I mean, rebuilding. I, I don't think a hundred million is big money in the modern scope. Well, I think a hundred million, when you look at when say Liverpool sold Coutinho for a hundred million. In the scope of things, then that was massive. You could bring in three world class players. Yeah, I think he didn't have long left on his contract either, did he? And he, I think he's just signed a new. I one. just like, and I wonder if Harry Kane. I wonder if Harry Kane having a shit season and possibly tapering off just a touch means that that hundred in the new season becomes eighty. And in the modern framework, you need 60, 70. I mean, fuck, we paid fifty five for fucking Lacazette. We paid eighty for fucking. Pepe when all said and done. Mm. You know, if, if the dream if the if the idea was to rebuild the club on selling players, then in that period when they were making Champions League finals, they needed to sell Ericsson, Ali, Kane, you know, and Ericsson went for fuck all, Ali's done nothing. <laughs> and and Kane looks to be tapering off. You know, they needed to sell Arda Verelds. They needed to sell all of these guys who were coming to the end of their time to start their rebuild. But all those contracts have run down. It's a state of football. Conte, when he came into Chelsea, I remember he came in and made them very hard to beat. He was one of the first managers who we saw really lock into a three at the back, two defensive midfielders in front. Tottenham at their best under Pochettino were a free-flowing team uh, with with Honmin Soon and, and Harry Kane scoring absolutely buckets of goals. I don't think they've got the the players. When we played them, they didn't have the midfield to sit in deep. They had uh, Undoble, who couldn't fucking defend and was tying up his shoelaces on the halfway line every time anyone ran past. And he's got Deli Alley, who doesn't fucking defend. He's got Harry Winks, who I think is heavily overrated. Their midfield is a massive fucking problem. He's going into a market where there aren't a huge amount of players. And if there are players, you've got to overspend for those players. Mm. So like I said, unless Tottenham have bought Conte in and they're saying to him, look, do this season, get us through the end of this season. That's the first part of your 18-month contract. Then I'll give you 400 fucking million pounds to rebuild this team and ship out. And then you've got a year to show us what you can do with it. I don't think we're going to get issues from Tottenham this year. I think they're going to be harder to beat but I don't think we're going to get issues of them all of a sudden becoming a much better team because they've got massive problems in a rebuilding phase within their squad. Yeah, okay. I agree. It's more to worry about next season than this season. Definitely. Yeah. Whereas I mean, if he had have gone to Man U, I would be very worried because yeah, I think yeah. they've got a lot better players there. Oh, yeah, definitely. And Ole's not getting the best out of him. And I think someone like Conte would. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Nana's just said again... Uh, uh, I'll ignore. Oh, uh, he says that Chelsea, Chelsea had just won the league the season before. Inter were one point off the top, and Juventus were managed by Perlo. This is the worst squad Conte has ever had. No pre-season as well. So maybe my my fears are unfounded. You're all making me feel a lot better. But so, he's meant to be a crazy taskmaster. Yeah. he's meant should to I, be a fucking training machine. So they're going to get a rude shock under him. Should I be worried about West Ham United? I'd worry about West Ham more than I would Tottenham at the minute, if I'm being honest. They're playing really well. Mm. I mean, the, the, I, I'm hoping, hoping that because uh, they're in the Europa League and we all know that 
Um, that creates lots of games, lots of fixture congestion, and they don't have a, a real depth of squad to cope with that because it's new to them getting into Europe, that they'll fade and tire by the end of the season. But at the moment, they're beating everyone who's put in front of them. You know, I, yeah. I mean, I don't know where they are in the league because I haven't seen it. But I, uh, I think if they beat Liverpool at the weekend, aren't they pretty much level on points with them or something silly? Did I hear? Uh, I did have the I did have the table up. Actually. I, I can't I look. I was going to research it, but then that would be bad luck. Or looking at the table. <laughs> yeah, I can't look at the table. It would be bad luck if I look at it. We will lose our unbeaten run. I mean, don't you ever have that? Do you have your superstitions? If they if they beat Liverpool, then they go above Liverpool. Yeah. See, look, that's freaky. We're all worried about Liverpool. Uh, beating everyone in front of them. West Ham are doing the same. And they've also played I mean, a lot of the big sides. Man United, Manchester City, Liverpool. Isn't Moyes, isn't Moyes an interesting manager, an interesting story? Because, I mean, I think he's now the third most capped, he's the third most capped manager in Premier League history. I think it goes Alec Ferguson, Arsene Wenger, David Moyes. Um, yeah, I'd say so, because he was at Everton for a long time. Can we just call, that, him, can we call him Moyes? I don't know where okay, Moyes comes from. <laughs> well, I heard that's I, that's what I heard the pronunciation was, Darren. So if I'm wrong, then someone correct Australian me. TV? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> David <laughs> Moyes. He's doing a great yeah, job. David Moyes. Yeah. West Ham United. G'day, mate. G'day, mate. Um, G'day, mate. We're looking no, at mean, David it's... Moyes. It's interesting because, I mean, his management career was on the ropes. I mean, he'd had failure after failure. Uh, He'd come out of Everton where he had created a team where he was very, very hard to beat, where he got the best out of some average players, had players absolutely die for him, come to other clubs with him, do all manner of stuff, you know, got his supposed bigger move, failed for him. You know, and then he winds up at a West Ham team that is far from you know, when he took over that West Ham team, absolutely far from a a great team struggling around the bottom of the table. And he seems to have been able to extract a huge amount out of that team again. And, you know, from all reports, I don't watch a huge amount of West Ham. I've got a couple of friends who are West Ham fans. This is, it's hardly a rear guard. It's hardly a, a, a Stoke City seven at the back and then hit them on the break. They play some, some quite good football. They're quite solid. They're quite good. I think that's going to be the game coming up that I'm most interested in Arsenal playing because I know people are still like I know uh you know I why I know why not is going to be like oh we got to beat the Man U's we got to beat this we got to do that we got to beat this right for me I said a couple of weeks ago there's a mini league Darren it's the Everton's it's the Leicester's you know it's all of these teams around us it's the West Ham's and so far we've knocked off most of those teams around us. I'd be really interested to see how we actually shape up against that West Ham. You're on mute, we've got, a, we've got a good record. You don't have to say it. I recognise it. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, we've got a good record at West Ham. And what about the, the manager situation now at Newcastle United? Because that's been a bit of a merry-go-round. Nobody's really available. Nobody really fancies it, I don't think. Um, Unai Emery was approached. Um, and he wouldn't go because they would only offer him an 18-month contract. So if, as uh, somebody just said in the uh, comments, that 18 months has become pretty standard for new managers, and, and that's probably about the lifespan of most managers these days is about 18 months. So maybe that's... Ah, I've just heard Nana's just said Eddie Howe has just been announced uh, as the uh, Newcastle manager. He's a very good appointment, I think, although he did just get relegated with Bournemouth. But... Um, not uh, just, it, but it's a good shout. Well, it was last season, wasn't it? Was, did they, was it last season or was it the 
Season before. Season before, was it? They took him down. Um, so he's been out of work for 18 months? Is that right? Wow. Um, so do you think he's going to yeah, be... Two and a half year contract is taken, so I'm just reading it now. It oh, is okay. actually a good shout, because I think it, it'd suit the Newcastle for now, rather than the probably the Newcastle when they spend a shit ton of money. Well, if well, you listen there's... to me back in the day, I wanted uh, Eddie Howe as the manager of Arsenal. I thought he was a, you know, he's a footballing manager. Um, he he get, makes players better. Um, you know, he's, 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 they're organised and play with flair. You know, I used to enjoy watching his teams play football. So uh, that worries me as well. <laughs> well <laughs> West Ham, Tottenham, of, Newcastle. First part of call for Newcastle this season is don't fucking get relegated. Because it's going to be very, very hard to splash all that cash in the championship. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, well, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, I said I hope Steve Bruce gets sacked after his thousandth game because I like Steve Bruce as a man. Um, uh, you watched him a lot when I was watching Arsenal Man United in those in those great battles, those great duels back in the day. Always uh, had some dignity around him. Liked the way he's managed clubs. Felt really sorry for the way he was treated up at Newcastle in a club that he supports. Um, and so that worked well, but I hope they get. I hope then they sack him and then get relegated. And I just hope that there is just no. They can't pick up anyone in January, and uh, and they go down because that's going to be hilarious. Uh, Matt, can I? You, say, you can know, I, you're going to say something. Well, yeah, I, I had a I had a topic because we got about ten minutes left. I had a topic that got quite a lot of uh, of contact on Twitter, and I wanted to ask you guys about it and um, so i know that we don't have granite Xhaka back until after christmas right but there still seems to be this kind of great conversation about granite Xhaka and how granite Xhaka will affect the team and that there are these ideas and these concepts that we're not as good going forward we're not as penetrative without Xhaka, but we seem to be much more sturdy without him as well. So defensively, we seem to be much sturdier, but the general consensus seems to be that moving forward, those penetrative passes up the left side, that we lack him heavily. So it's a two-barreled question. Number one part of my question is, does Granite Xhaka walk straight back into this team when he's fit? Because historically, every single manager has played him. And the second part to my question is, does that back two of Ben White and Gabrielle look better because they don't have Granite Xhaka in front of them? Or does that midfield look better, and therefore Granite Xhaka would look better in that midfield, because that back two is playing so well? Chicken or the egg? Uh, if you want me to go, um, I would say yeah, that... No, I've just got to plug me headset in. No, he, uh, he doesn't walk back into that team for me, um, but it does depend very much on the performances of Sambi Lukonga over the next... Um, month or two we've got a lot of games coming up i think the difference in my opinion the difference between arsenal now and it and it ties into what you're saying about the back four having them in front of them is i just think when you've got party and jacker both of them play in a very small area of the pitch you know party might go forward a little bit more than jacker but it's still very narrow he doesn't drift he doesn't do whereas lakonga covers a lot more ground and i just think that that when you've got those two static players Teams could run through us very, very quickly. And I don't think they're doing that anymore. 
And I just think it's because there's just a little bit more mobility in that midfield, a little bit more energy. And that's the same on the side where you've got Tavares one side and Tomoyasu the other. Suddenly, teams can't run past us because there's some energy and some, some athleticism in those positions. When we had Cedric playing there or Callum Chambers uh, uh, right back, you know, they, they, they were good players, but they weren't very mobile players. And even to a certain extent with uh, Kieran Tierney, you know, he, he very much focused in his area. Suddenly, this team feels younger. It feels full of energy and and a lot, a lot, just a you know, a five ten percent more work rate than there was, and that seems to be making the difference. Um, so, no, I don't think he does walk back in, but it's a great option to have. Scanny, no, I'm completely with you on that. Um, if he walks back in, I think there's something wrong. You know, because. Lukonga is and you know he's, he's been playing well. He's not brilliant, we all know that, but he's still a young lad. He's still learning. He's still, you know, he's still coming up to speed with what the Premier League is because he hasn't played loads of games. But since Jack has been injured, he hasn't really put too much of a foot wrong. So rather than have this Jacka who comes in, you you know you're going to get a guaranteed yellow card out of him. You know you're guaranteed at some point he's going to grab a red card because he's fallen you know he's two-footed someone it's something that we really don't need right now in the team we don't need his attitude his style of play in that sort of sense is the way he does things we don't really need that and i think uh, him being out and being on the bench is far better for us than would be having him back in i think that that would work out better. see i quite like him is... as and the only issue is, is obviously with Partey probably going to the African Cup of Nations, we're going to see a lot more of Xhaka in January. Well, oh, I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, forgot that. It's a good, great point there, Mike. Yeah, we will need him. You know, it's a useful man to come back in. Um, uh, obviously, Max, we'll ask you the same question. I'll answer your own question. Just something I just wanted to add. I said there's more energy and there seems to be more movement. But I also think the technical ability of the players we've got in, in Tomiyasu, and Sambi Lukonga, they're just technically a little bit better. So you can distribute the ball to them quickly and not have that fear that someone's just going to close a jacker down and, and nick the ball off of him, which I think happens yeah. quite often in uh, games against Too Arsenal. Often, Teams yeah. target jacker because they know as soon as he gets the ball, put two men, chase him down, and he can occasionally panic and give the ball away. You know, Go on, Max, what do you think? Yeah, look, I mean... Given the option of choosing between us being very slightly going, very slightly better going forward with Xhaka or much more defensively solid and two-wayedness, our ability to run in both directions without him, then I would always take the defensive solidarity. Um, I know there's a lot of Granite Xhaka fans out there. You know, my brother being one of them, Not, but, sorry, not that Toby is a Granite Xhaka fan, but my brother being someone that really sees how much we miss him and really sees predominantly how much Kieran Tierney missed him. And he lines up a lot of Kieran Tierney's drop-in form with Granite Xhaka not being there because of that, that left-channel pass that Xhaka has. I'm quite fearful that he does walk straight back into the team. I know everyone seems to think that he won't, but historically Arteta has picked him. Historically Arteta has used him, has liked him. There's two things that I kind of hope. Number one, I hope that it's enough of a rocket up Granite Xhaka because I think one of the issues with Xhaka has always been that he has always felt that he walks back into that team and he has always felt that he's first name on the 
list, and it's been that way through uh, Wenger, Emery, and Arteta that he's always been there. Um, but the thing is, I really, really like him as a bench option because I like the idea of us being solid early and us being able to progress the ball and play this really fast, expansive type of football that we've been playing in the first 20 minutes, I think actually comes from a place of having faith and confidence that we're not just going to get smashed on the transition and concede early. And that's where we've been quite strong. But I do see a place for Granite Xhaka later on in games at that 60-minute mark if you do need to start to open it up. is fresh. He hasn't been run ragged. Um, really interesting, really interesting because... Like I said, I got I put up a tweet and I got a lot of responses saying, oh, no, well, Granite Jack is going to look so much better because he has these two centre-backs behind him. And I went back and I said, well, perhaps those two centre-backs look so good because they have two very solid technical players in front of them who are good under pressure, don't lose the ball, and don't get fucking run past by fast players. So it's going to be well, a really interesting look at it. with the feet as well with them two, you know, with Party and Lekonga. You know, they hold the ball up a lot better than what Xhaka does. And I think this, that's the other reason, like Darren was saying earlier, you know, Xhaka, as soon as he starts getting pressured, he falls, he folds so easily. And, you know, you can see the frustration and this is where his two-footed tackles come from. So without him being there, I think it's made us look a lot better. But I get what you're saying. We're going to need him at some point. And being off the bench, yes, I think he probably would be better off the bench than he would be as a starter. So I definitely agree with that. But he's talking I think, you again. I, I think I'm not. I didn't want to talk over you. I uh, <laughs> wanted to talk, on. but didn't want to talk over you. So put yeah. himself on mute. Just say I'm what a you professional. Wanted. I'm a professional. I have to uh, go down in the depths with you two. Uh, I'm just going to bring Why Not in for one comment because he has sent about 150 messages in. Uh, Jacker is as useful as a chocolate door. Come on, Why Not? There's better things than a chocolate fireplace. Uh, a chocolate ashtray, a chocolate, chocolate door. Teapot. Yeah, a chocolate teapot. Come on, a chocolate, chocolate door. What are you talking about? Chocolate fire guard. Come on, chocolate door. That'd be great. In fact, in a cool country, you can make chocolate really hard. Thanks for your comment. Thanks to everyone as well, by the way, in the comments. It's been loads tonight. We haven't really had a good had a chance to bring you all in, but thanks to everyone, Digi and uh, Russell's in there, Nana as usual. Um, some really good people, some really good comments. DWTT, the rest of you, thanks. It makes it a lot more interesting with your uh, your input, and we do read them all. Um, look, we've done our hour. Nice show, guys. Nice to have us all three back together in our different parts of the world. Um, glad you two aren't as miserable and negative as you usually are. And uh, I've been <laughs> all right all season. All this season, I've been fine. I've been taking it game by game and everything else. I thought I'd change my attitude a little bit because I didn't want to be that person who starts going, tutter out, fuck this shit. Well, Mike, my, fi my final question for you tonight is, has Arteta shown you something? Because you and I started off the season saying, hashtag, show me something, Mikel. Show me something, prove me wrong. Yeah. yeah. At the minute, he's definitely showing us something because we haven't lost a game for a while. You yeah. know, but I'd, I'd like to, you know, I'm still holding back a little bit. You know, I want him. To, I want to see a little bit more. I want to see us do it against, you know, the top end of the table with the big teams. It, this is what I want to see now. So it's good where we're going. Um, I'm quite happy with it. It's nice to go to away games and not have other fans screaming at you, you know, calling whatever else and having Arsenal fans, which every away game I've been to so far this season has been fantastic. The atmosphere yeah. has been brilliant. 
So, you know, I just want to carry that on. I don't want to go back into this, oh, God, here we go, you know. Well, let me, let me just summarise that, what I said at the start of the season, and I stand by everything I said. I'm more excited going into this season than I have been for the last five or six or seven years because I feel that there is a plan. Whether Arteta is the man to make that plan work, time will tell. But what has certainly happened is we've refreshed our squad with some young players who want to play for the badge. We've, replaced, replaced, uh, we've ref, refreshed our stadium support and our away support. Arsenal getting rid of the away ticket scheme, uh, a change the way they've done it, is really helped because now you've got a lot of fresh blood away from home. You've got a lot of fresh blood at the Emirates Stadium. The atmosphere is fantastic to what it has been in the last five or six years. And I'm more excited now than I have been for years because I feel like we've got an Arsenal that we can support again hmm. and enjoy it. Press that button, Max. <laughs> Good night. an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.